Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Braun and Mason. And we're here today to talk about the Packers' humiliating loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it, it was it was an ugly one. It really was. Braun, Braun how are you dealing with the loss? Uh, I haven't slept in four days. <laughs> um, no, <I'm> just, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I'm in a tough spot. Obviously, everybody is. It was a tough game. It's hard to watch your team lose after you know we've only seen f- five losses in the last you know 20 plus games, however many it's been. So it's it's not something we're very used to at this point. But yeah, I mean, it was a tough one to watch. Yeah, I told a bunch of people if the Bears could beat the Buccaneers, I'm I was pretty set on the Packers beating the Buccaneers. <laughs> right, that actually didn't happen, and I had to. You know, tell a lot of people I was sorry and <laughs> that I'll be looking forward to in six weeks when we play the Bears. That's the next time I can actually hold a bet against them. But yeah, it's been rough. Like, I don't even know what to post on social media. <laughs> I don't even know what, I don't like watching anything on, on Sports Center. Yeah. I just, it's been lonely. Yeah, that's it's it's like I'm still ten years old, dude. Uh, a Packers loss just ruins my entire week. I can't go on Twitter. I can't listen to the podcasts I listen to. I can't turn on any uh, ESPN shows or anything because they're just going to be trashing us, and I don't want to hear it. It's so it's so heartbreaking when the Packers lost, and that's a great point, Bron. We've only lost five times in the past two years, so we're really not used to this. No, we're not, and I mean. Just and now we've got to sit here and talk about it for an hour and a half. So enjoy it. But uh, but no, seriously though, like I, you know, it's hard when we lose. It 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 puts a whole you know different level of pain during the week that it's just like we can't get it out of our heads. Um, and it, it's just not we're not used to it. And you know, obviously the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing and and the way the team has been playing overall, we just looked really good. And it was a completely different turnaround that we just saw uh, a complete 180 um in terms of just the way we we've played in the in the past in these last few weeks and and what we did on sunday against the buccaneers especially with such a hyped up game i mean this this is going to be a playoff preview if you know if we run into each other later in january and we just laid an absolute egg reminds me exactly of the the niners game last year i just i i I wish we could live up to these you know these hype matchups and actually kind of you know show what we can do on national tv because we were america's game of the week and we just absolutely embarrassed ourselves yeah this was there was only two games in the four o'clock slate this week and i think the nfl does that because they want to put these like they they, this is practically a primetime game i mean which game are you watching green bay and tampa or uh jets and dolphins i think that's a pretty easy decision to make for most people and uh we embarrassed ourselves and this was a lot like the 49ers game we come into it thinking this is an nfc showdown playoff preview the two two of the the heavyweights in the nfc and we just crapped the bed it's so embarrassing and it's so heartbreaking that i i thought i thought we were a completely different team than last year I mean, I still think we are. I still think we're much improved from last year. But, God, this this loss really felt like the 49ers game where we were just it, – it looked like we were not even in the same class as the Buccaneers. And it showed that we really do have a lot of things to improve on still. Well, you know, even Jets fans were watching our game, you know. I mean, the whole <laughs> – I mean, everybody in the media now is – you know, talking about us because we were that game that everybody was looking at. You circled it on the schedule of the NFL week six. And, 
Uh, everybody was watching, and that's all everybody's been talking about. You know, what happened to the Packers? What happened to Aaron Rodgers? Are, are they frauds? Uh, but, you know, I think it's something that and we're going to get into all this, but I, I think it's something that's going to really wake us up and, and make us realize that we've got a goal that we have to go and achieve. But uh, we've still got work to do and, and hopefully we can put in that work and kind of get to where we want to get. Yeah, guys, where do we even start with, you know, going over this game? I mean, both sides of the ball were pretty, pretty awful. Um, you know, that first quarter was phenomenal. We jumped out to that 10-0 lead, but. You know, that, that pick six changed the whole game. Honestly, Aaron didn't look the same after that. And then, you know, the next drive, he threw another almost pick six. And, you know, we didn't see the end zone or we didn't see any points for the rest of the game. Tampa Bay ran off 38 straight points. I, Guys, where do you want to start with this? Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have to start with – I mean, let's go back to the beginning of the game. I mean, Green Bay goes out and gets a field goal on a drive that looked pretty efficient. Uh, at times, even though Aaron Rodgers said he was, he didn't think they were playing efficiently, uh, even in, in that 10 point lead that we had, I thought they looked pretty good. I mean, the things that Matt LaFleur was drawing up, uh, they, they were having success. Uh, A lot of the different man beaters that, that we put out there, different shallow crosses and things like that to MVS and, and other guys was working. Devante caught a few balls. Um, and, and things were working. So I figured, I mean, I expected a little bit of, uh, a working progress type situation with Devante coming back uh, into the offense because uh, now we didn't have Alan Lazard there too. So I figured there would be some, you know, some growing pains early on, uh, but we still look pretty fluid, uh, you know, early there against a good defense. So that's, that's my main thing. Even though it wasn't as, as fluid as it always is, uh, we were going against a really good defense. So I was encouraged by that start. And then the fact that we were able to go stop them right away, um, on defense and, and then get back and, and get that uh, get that touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones ran in after Rodgers' uh, touchdown was reversed. So, yeah, I mean, that start was encouraging. But then, obviously, like you said, Mason, things took a turn for the worse. Yeah, I think I think on the offensive side of the ball, it, it, it lives and dies with Aaron Rodgers. And I think what he meant on the, the, first, the first quarter, the 10 points we scored, we had the two successful drives. And it wasn't on script. A lot of the offensive production, we had a few slants over the middle, a few crossers that were working well, but uh, a lot of it was off script. And it seemed like after the pick six, Aaron was just like, he was baffled. He never, this is the third of his career. He hasn't thrown a pick all season. These are things he never does. And then he throws another one, the immediate drive after. And so I don't know. I think it had a lot to do with Aaron, maybe, uh, you saw him, John, with Indomic and Sue. It it seemed like he was getting a little, a little in his own way at times. He was, he was, you know, all year he's played in rhythm. We're talking about how how well he's playing because he's playing within the offense. But he, he his average time to throw this game was like three and a half seconds, close to that. Like he just abandoned everything he was doing all season after the first quarter, and it looked like twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen again, and. And what do you know? We we scored zero points in the the last three quarters, and I mean there weren't a lot of plays that looked like he left on the table. You know, from the that were obvious, there weren't a lot of receivers that he turned down that were open. But I I don't know what it was with him, but I think he I think he was just I think he was really caught off guard by the two the two straight interceptions on the in three throws. I think it was. Yeah, Rodgers was just you know after those first uh, that first pick, the one that. He missed a little bit. Defensive back made a good play. That 
you know, he was probably like, okay, you know, that was a good play by him. I'm going to come back and we're going to go do this thing. And then the one to Devante, which was a, a really tight spot um, that, that came right after really tight spot. And um, Devante tipped it. Uh, he was getting held a little bit. They didn't call anything. Uh, comes off Devante's hands right into, uh, into another defensive back's hands. So uh, it's tough. I mean, that's, that changed the game completely. It goes from 10, nothing with the ball to 14, 10 with the ball, but your, your momentum is completely shifted out the window. Uh, you know, Rogers talked about pressure being a really big issue. It was just hard, uh, because he was getting pressured a lot and the wind he said was a big factor too. So, uh, he, and I just felt like he didn't have that same cohesion with the receivers that he's had in years past. Uh, and even in games past this year, uh, things just looked off. Everything looked off. Devante was off everything. Uh, and he, he was just getting hit too much. And, you know, that just that just created less rhythm for the offense. And, and that's what, in, at the end of the day, kind of defined the game for us. I agree, man. I, I think Aaron before the pick six was, I mean, that defense was in his face still. That whole first quarter was not easy for Aaron. And I feel like Aaron was making a lot more plays than he was, obviously, in the you know, the second, third, and fourth quarters. But like I feel like that interception just like Griff was saying, just changed his his mindset. Like I honestly think he was just like in shock. And then all of a sudden we were down two scores when we had all the momentum in the world. I think he was, you know, he he was forced to play catch up ball. We haven't been we haven't played that all season, honestly. Um, I, I think he, both interceptions, I feel like he was trying to force things to Devonte Adams. That first one, I mean, you can, you can excuse it. I mean, he, he made a bad throw. It's whatever. But that second one, I, I mean, I don't think Devonte was really open. I feel like he, he just kept trying to force things that weren't there. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's missing that, that almost, it probably could have been a touchdown to Mercedes Lewis, um, on that fly rod down the middle, missed that. That was you, you know, you don't see Aaron miss those. And then another one that comes to mind is right before the half, it was 10 to 28. I think there was like 30 seconds left. Aaron missed MVS. He, I, MVS had like two yards of separation going on the left side of the field. Probably would have had a touchdown if Aaron hit him, but he underthrew it. And um, MVS had to play, you know, play as the defender and knock that ball away from the, from the corner. And, you know, we ended up not scoring any points at the end of the half and going in, going into halftime 10 to 28. And, yeah, I I just think like Griff said that something was wrong in Aaron's head. He was just, and we also saw before the half ended. You know, he was going at it with Sue. You know, John Adams. Sue obviously had that you know that pretty aggressive sack and that late hit call. And they were you know those guys have been rivals for the last decade when he was on the Lions. And those guys obviously have history. And yeah, I think Sue was getting in his head as well. Yeah, they're they're definitely not the best of friends, and it it looked like. Aaron was you never see Aaron act like that on the field you never see him barking at defenders like that getting in uh defender's face but uh it seemed like he was trying to trying to prove something almost like oh I'm gonna show you on in Dominican Sioux and it looked at times like he was trying to be a little bit too much of Superman at the same time not playing well at all so it's like he kept barking at Sue but Sue was winning the defense was winning on every play and so it, it, it was really just kind of embarrassing for Aaron, I'm sure. Yeah, they're not going to be exchanging Christmas cards, I'll tell you that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I mean, they talked, uh, Aaron talked about on the Pat McAfee show today how um, 
he and, and him were really jarring. And, and it got to a point where Aaron said, you know, we're going to have to have a conversation after the game. Um, things were tense between those two guys and it got heated. You know, a lot of late hitting going on that wasn't getting called. Um, it, it frustrated me and I can't even imagine how frustrating it was for Rodgers. But um, yeah, something about uh, those two guys, uh, especially, I mean, Sue getting in his ear a lot. It was starting to have a, an impact on on Rogers um, on the mental side of it, and you know that was the last thing he needed with the way that he was getting hit, and you know the wind, and all these different aspects that were kind of limiting what he could do for this offense in the passing game. So, uh, you know, it's just a tough situation. Uh, obviously, really interesting to hear those guys go at it, and you watch Rogers do something that, like you said, Griff, he really doesn't do often, and that's let guys you know get into his head. Usually, most of the guys he's kind of friendly with, yeah. uh, but but a lot of the times that that's the case, and and this time it just wasn't. Those guys have gone at it for years. Sue has stepped on Rogers on purpose and and things of that nature. I mean, it's it's that guy is not a nice guy, at least in terms of on the field. He's a, he's quite a dirty player, if you ask me. And uh, we kind of saw a lot of that on Sunday. Uh, we struggle against these physical teams like like the Pittsburgh Steelers is another one that comes to mind. And, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are clearly that way now. Uh, they're, they're that new NFC physical team. Um, and, and we struggle with them for that reason. Must be nice to have some athletic linebackers. That is, oh, yeah. That's the one thing I noticed from Tampa's defense. Devin White and Levante David were those, – those guys are game changers. They stopped our whole running offense, and both of them had multiple – you know combined for multiple sacks on A-Rod. That's, that's a game changer right there, and we do not have that on our defense. Yeah, and Todd Bowles is so Todd Bowles is so blitz-happy. He was just sending them whenever he felt, and Aaron's usually one of those quarterbacks that's like, oh, you can't blitz him, you can't blitz 12, he's going to eat you up. But he could not do anything uh, to stop these blitzes. And, uh, yeah, like you said, they shut down the entire run game. Aaron Jones could not get anything on the ground. What did you say, Mason? He had 10 carries for 15 yards. Uh, yep. that is, oh man. And a lot of that goes back to the Matt LaFleur's game plan. I don't know why he kept trying to get these outside zone stretch plays going, these outside pitches that we love. I have no idea why he kept doing that because our, we can't, we can't get up to the second level. Our O-line could not get up to the second level to stop these guys. They're faster than our guys. And they kept shutting it down and we kept trying it. It was so, so annoying, so annoying to watch. And then, yeah, in, in the blitz, they were getting after Aaron and, uh, Todd Bowles, just a great game utilizing these these linebackers that the, the Buccaneers have. And they really shut down the Packers in the run game and the pass game. You're right about that. They just, you know, they couldn't compete with these guys that Todd Bowles is sending on blitzes. Uh, and, and, you know, like you said, Rodgers, uh, he wasn't doing that good of a job against the blitz like we expect him to. But a lot of the times that was because guys are right in his face, right off the snap a lot. And we saw that with his second pick. There's, there's photos going around of uh, – the Buccaneers well off sides before the snap. Um, and, and then that kind of impacted the way Rodgers was going to have to get the ball out. He had to throw it quick and it ended up getting picked. So, I mean, things like that had a huge impact on what Rodgers was able to do. But uh, the key thing that really changed the game on, uh, for the offensive line was the fact that we allowed four sacks after allowing just three in the first four games. I mean, that's ridiculous. How could that happen? How could you completely flipped the script on that situation. Uh, that's hard to overcome when your O-line does something so well over the course of the last four games, and then uh, it just completely turns on its head. 
that's hard to overcome as an offense. And uh, we, it just continued all night long, the pressure uh, that Aaron couldn't overcome and the run game couldn't get through. So that just, that really had a big impact on what we were trying to do. And that's the thing with the O-line. It's like this year we haven't really played against any ferocious pass rushing uh, units so far in 2020. And we're coming into this game thinking we, we have one of the strongest offensive lines in the league, uh, especially in uh, pass protection. We've given up three sacks, like you said, two of those were Aaron's fault. So, and then we, we haven't played a pass rush like Tampa Bay has, especially against a uh, defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles, who loves to send the blitz and is unpredictable with his blitzes. Uh, they really just ate the Packers' lunch on off on the offensive line, and then David Bakhtiari going out didn't help at all because Rick Wagner, holy God, Rick Wagner was bad at left tackle. He was awful, and I get it; it's hard to go from right tackle to left tackle, but God, he was bad. <laughs> he gave up a sack to JPP where he like he he didn't even get in the way. <laughs> it was embarrassing for Rick Wagner, and really the the entire offensive line. Elton Jenkins gave up the first sack of his entire career. Oh Lord rip yeah the the only confusing part to me was um we saw in that first drive that jamal williams broke off a 25 yard run right up the middle and we we totally neglected that you know that inside zone run yeah the rest of the game and i don't i just don't understand why we didn't go back to that the buccaneers last week lost vita vea for the rest of the year they're you know they're huge nose tackle that's great at stopping the run so they had you know they had their second guy in there and Obviously, it worked with Jamal Williams on that first drive, and then we, you know, totally abandoned mm-hmm. it. I don't, I don't understand. I against one of the most athletic defenses in the league. Yeah, you, you know, you'd think, you'd think. I mean, I mean, Devin White and Levante David were, you know, they they were covering that outside stuff. I, I felt like that inside stuff would have kept working. We saw AJ Dillon break off one, you know, in garbage time. It just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, like you said earlier, Aaron Jones only finished with 15 yards, and it's because of those outside runs were not working whatsoever. Yeah, the lanes were just not there. The The linebackers of Tampa Bay are just too athletic for us to try and stretch the field horizontally on every run play. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, and, and another thing really that was kind of surprising, but it was something that we had to overcome and just couldn't, was the fact that Devontae looked completely off. I mean, his connection with Rodgers was just not there. Even on the completions, it just looked like something was off, you know, just a tick off. Uh, And I guess that tends to happen when he goes out and we're in a tough spot uh, after he comes back after four weeks, whatever he was out. Um, So, I mean, yeah, that was a big problem. Uh, he He just looked like he wasn't in the right spots at times. He was the target on both of Rodgers' interceptions. So something was up. I don't know what it was. Hopefully they get that connection back. You know, Rodgers talked about that week of practice not being great. You know, however true that is, I guess we'll find out. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's Something was off there. Uh, and just combine that with, you know, the fact that Lazard uh, is not there anymore right now with that injury. He's on IR. We just didn't have that consistent second weapon. Uh, when you've got Devontae in there, it's okay. it's like, okay, we have to get him the ball. Uh, but when Lazard is in there with him, Rodgers has that other guy that he can go to. Like, But without him, it's like it's either – Devontae's the first read on like 90% of the plays, 75% of the plays. He's going to be the guy that Rodgers is looking at. Um, and when, when Lazard isn't there as another viable option, Rodgers has to go to his second option when they're taking Devontae away. 
Um, and, and that's what the Buccaneers really tried to do. Uh, so, you know, they're taking Devontae away and then Rodgers has to go to his second option. That's where the rhythm goes. That's where, you know, all that all that stuff goes that makes things go off schedule. Uh, and, and that changed the game for us offensively. For sure. And, you know, you, you can't blame Aaron really for trying to force the ball to Devontae. I mean, who else is he going to throw to? MVS is proving more and more to just be a fast he's a deep threat because he's fast he's not a great route runner he doesn't he's never had a great connection with Aaron and the short to intermediate stuff and uh other than that we got Darius Shepard who's good for a play or two a game and uh Malik Taylor who's I, I don't I don't know EQ saying he's Brown. not good for a player too he's just <laughs> not he's just not I mean we can't I, one thing I want to say quickly is I'm really sick and tired of watching these undrafted free agents play starting roles on this team i just it doesn't make sense i mean wow we have we probably lead the league in undrafted free agents playing significant time for us we it's mind-boggling i mean there's got to be players that are better than these guys it's there has to be other guys out there we've got we have we're relying on these guys that did not get drafted it's unbelievable i and this has happened for years in green bay uh, we're relying on guys like Darius Shepard, undrafted, Malik Taylor, undrafted. He, you know, he was on the practice squad all of last year. He hasn't made the team in years past, and all of a sudden he's our number three receiver. I mean, I don't even know how we could like go about doing this every week and expect to have success. Yet even we our do good somehow players. most of the time. Yeah, even our even, good players are undrafted or late round picks. Late round picks. Alan Lazard is another guy that, I mean, he just, you know, he's one of the guys that just looks really good right now. But Geronimo Allison was another one that we expected to be really good. And, you know, a lot of the times these undrafted guys will flash stuff, but they never really pan out for like a career, uh, you know, a guy that you can rely on. And, you know, Geronimo Allison, he flamed out after looking good for a few games, you know, in years past. And, we just can't go into years and go into seasons expecting these guys to be high-level contributors and, and also have success uh, as a team. It just doesn't make sense to me. At the end of the day, Braun, you say this all the time, they were undrafted for a reason, or they were fifth-round, sixth-round, seventh-round picks for a reason because they're good against bad opponents and they're good for maybe a play or two against uh, good opponents. But other than that, they don't. We're never gonna find these franchise guys. I mean, sometimes there's the diamond in the rough. You know, you get the one in a million chance at one of these guys turning into a franchise guy. But it rarely ever happens because they do not have the talent of these uh, these premium round draft picks. And when we're relying so heavily on nothing but fifth round or later draft picks, it it shows against these good opponents, these good defenses like Tampa Bay. Well, when you look at like, you know, everybody always says, oh, the Packers are so good at, you know, converting these undrafted guys into stars. It's because we like lead the league in guys that are undrafted playing for us. And of course, one of them, every like 50 guys we throw out there is going to end up being a decent player. It happens. I mean, you know, Donald Driver is the one guy that comes to mind. He was a seventh round pick that turned into like a Hall of Fame caliber player, but it just doesn't happen very often. I mean, those guys are like like you just said they are not expected to come in and contribute yet we kind of force them to, to into those roles uh and, and somehow hope to for them to have success and i just don't think it's a viable way to to 
to, you know, assemble the football team, uh, especially when you want to have success. You can't be relying on guys and just hoping they, they come out and work uh, because any successful team needs to have consistency and, and undrafted guys bring everything but that. I mean, just look at the guys we've taken in like rounds four or later in the past years. We've got, you know, we had that year of MVS, EQ, and Jamon Moore, who's not on the team anymore. And then you go past that, we've got like guys like Trevor Davis, Jeff Janis, uh, Jared Aberderis, um, and another undrafted guy, Jared Boykin. I mean, none of those guys lasted. I mean, what are the Jake odds? Kumaro. Jay Kumaro is another guy. What are the odds you find one in the late rounds or an undrafted guy? I mean, the, the, the couple that come to mind are like Antonio Brown in the sixth round for the Steelers or like Marcus Colston back in the day for the Saints was a seventh round pick. And then like Bron said, Donald Driver for the pack back in 99, he was a seventh round pick. It's, it's just so rare. And and you look at our the guys we've picked in the second round, Devontae, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. I yeah. mean, it's, there you go giant giant talent gap and I, I think we're we've been hurting from you know not getting lucky in these late rounds and refusing to use picks on on you know high picks on these wide receivers it's I think it's finally catching up to us and all those guys you mentioned about uh the late round picks are undrafted guys these are all guys that Packer fans get really excited for because they have like two good plays in a in a game and oh it, what a great game for this guy and it, it never pans out, it seems like, especially lately. And if you think it's bad on offense with the guys we've got out there, look at our defense right now. I mean, I think more than half our lineup is undrafted, guys. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's concerning, and it's, it's frankly frustrating. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to go crazy here ranting about it, but I, I just think it's a problem, and I don't know why we have this mentality about assembling a team this way. Uh, and at times it's come back to bite us. And a lot of the times Aaron Rodgers masks our flaws. Like if you look at this team without Aaron Rodgers, I'm not sure we win a game. And it's pathetic to say that, but he is he is the most valuable player in the league. Uh, and he should win that award every year. But the fact is we just are not a good football team without him. Uh, and that's because we've got so much just, you know, inexperience, lack of talent, you name it. We've got it. And it's just not good. After the Saints game, me and Brown were on the pod just just hyping up this, you know, our weapons that we thought we had. You know, we were talking about how, um, you know, Robert Tanyan was turning into a star. You know, Alan Lazar, before he got hurt, was a, you know, a clear-cut wide receiver, too. Devontae Adams was going to be back, and he was going to be, you know, top five wide receiver. And now, all of a sudden, <laughs> things have changed. We're now, it's scary now because what we just yeah. saw last week, Aaron Jones disappeared. And, and then Devontae Adams didn't have the best game and nobody stepped up and it shows it's, it's honestly frightening. I thought a couple of weeks ago we would be fine, but now I'm in, now I'm in worry mode now. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's a lot of recency bias and things like that, but I mean, Robert Tanyan, he's been around for a while. He's proven that he can play at a decent enough level to stay on the roster. And now he's looking like, you know, with the snaps that he's getting, he can be our tight end for now. Like he's, He's serviceable enough. You know, he catches the ball. That's all, That's something a lot of guys that we've had run through this team don't do. He's got the shortest hands of anybody on the team, frankly. And, uh, you know, I just think that some of these guys, like I think Robert Tanya is a good example of somebody who has worked out, you know, for the most part. Um, and Alan Lazard is another one that's worked out for the most part so far. But 
at the same time, we've also got Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor, uh, you know, the other guys that you can even guys on the offensive line, Lucas Patrick, like, it's just we've got so many of those guys out there and we can't we can't be expecting them to be really contributing for us. And, and so far, that's been the case for years in Green Bay. I think I think we do have the weapons to produce when they're elevated by the quarterback and the head coach. Aaron's been talking all year about how wide open guys have been. And a lot of that has to do with Matt LaFleur's uh, offensive scheme and play design. And guys have been wide open for the first four games of the season. But as soon as we get punched in the mouth and it's time to respond, we don't have the talent to respond. We've seen it in uh, both San Fran games last year, the Chargers game last year, and now this game. As soon as we, we go down, as soon as we we need someone to make a play, there's no one to make a play because they have to double Devontae and uh, no one else is open. And if Aaron's struggling, forget it. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we're, we're not going to win. We're not going to win a game that he even, you know, if he's not playing in the elite level, we're not going to win the football game. That's just the way it is. Even his bad days, you know, we win football games. Uh, but if he's having a, a day like he had on Sunday where he just couldn't get anything going, there's no chance we're going to win that game. It's just that that's the reality of it because of the lack of talent that we have pretty much everywhere. The reason I said it was worrisome for the, you know, for our weapons, just not, you know, not being there. Well, you know, like Griff said, once they shut down Devontae Adams, we don't have another like playmaker, like another guy that we can like trust to like make a play on his own. I'm just looking around the league at some of these young wide receivers. I mean, Justin Jefferson, who just got drafted this year is um, he's top five in the NFL in receiving yards. Um, Look at DK Metcalf, who got drafted in the second round last year. Honestly, he's looking like Julio Jones Jr. over here. (laughs) <laughs> he can, you know, one of the best deep route wide receivers in the NFL. And then guys like, you know, like CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaren are both both really good. Both guys, you know, drafted recently that we all had our eyes on. And it's just, it's just scary once, like you said, Griff, once they take away Devontae, like, I don't know, if, is there a guy to trust that can, that can make a play when we need it? It's scary. There's so many great young receivers that, everyone is hyping up right now and it's so annoying we couldn't get one of these guys not one of them justin jefferson is the most annoying one the fact that he's on the vikings annoys me and the fact that he's the guy every packer fan loved uh in this year's draft and we wanted him so badly i wanted him so badly and watching him tear up the league right now against everyone is so heartbreaking well i mean yeah it's it's rough who knows though? Maybe I don't even want to get my hopes up, but maybe they'll trade for somebody. I don't know. You know, reports have come out last year. We tried to trade for Robbie Anderson and I don't know. We, we just weren't, they wanted a second round pick. We weren't willing to do that. Whatever the case is, we've tried to sign guys, Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins, uh, Alan Robinson. We've tried to sign guys. I don't know. It's just, maybe this year we'll get somebody. I don't know. We don't have a lot of cap room and I'm sure, you know, Brian Gutekunst is and Russ Ball are, are fretting about it already. The fact that we might lose some cap space next year with the COVID thing, but um, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll finally get somebody and put us over the hump. Uh, we need someone. I, I really think we do, especially you know when we have these injuries. Uh, in, injuries happen. We can't. Exp- and this goes back to the undrafted guy thing. We can't expect Darius Shepard to come in and save the day. 
It just shouldn't be. We can't expect it. And we and a team like this that's in a position to win needs to be prepared for injuries to happen so we can still go out and still try to win a Super Bowl. If you're an Alan Lazard injury away from having no receiving talent, that's an issue. Oh my God, that's an issue. Alan imagine, Lazard. I mean, just imagine going a long stretch without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. I mean, we've we we we've seen a game with it, but uh, goodness gracious, that would be worrisome. We would have nobody out there. I mean, Darius Shepard and Malik Taylor would be your number ones. Equinemius St. Brown, if he decides to play, uh, and by that I mean show up uh, and catch the football maybe. <laughs> I'm getting angry here, and I, I don't, I, I'm just getting aggravated. I, it's rough. Uh, we just, after a while, you get tired of seeing, you know, what's going on uh, with the way our roster has been assembled. I don't know. Maybe we'll trade for somebody. Like I said, who knows? It'd be nice. Supposedly, it John Ross is available from from Cincinnati. There's a lot of guys available. You know, AJ Green. Uh, uh, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, guys in, in Houston are available possibly. There's going to be guys available. We just have to make a move and trade one of our precious fifth-round picks. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, we just have to – if we're going to do it, let's make a move. You know, let's, If we're going to try to compete for a Super Bowl, let's make a move and, and you know, leave no doubt with our receiving core. And, and this all goes back to the Jordan Love pick. The fact that this organization is focused so heavy on building for the future, saving these precious fifth-round picks – so we're always in the playoffs, but we're never going all in on a Super Bowl season with a 36-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback who's on the last last leg of his career. And we drafted his backup quarterback in the first round. Oh, man. This is uh, – His third string. His third string quarterback third string in the first round. Who's been inactive in every game this season. <laughs> and, in fact, we also traded up uh, to get him and used one of Brian Gudikin's precious fourth-round picks. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So oh, there's man. that. Brian Gudikins values fourth round picks and fifth round picks and sixth round picks until he has to get a quarterback that will not play a game for the next five years, probably, <laughs> if at all. I hate to go back to the draft because that was such a it was such hell for every Packer fan. Like, yeah, like we need any more like sorrow right now, but but the fact that, that we loss, didn't get a single receiver in that entire draft, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Really, that was our. First or second biggest weakness on the roster coming out of 2019, when we were on one game away from the Super Bowl, and we didn't we didn't draft one wide receiver. It's showing. It's showing right now how big of a problem that is. And maybe maybe a rookie wide receiver wouldn't impact that much, but I don't know. I think a rookie wide receiver would have more of an impact than Equinemius St. Brown or Darius Shepard or Malik Taylor or MVS. Quite frankly, because that guy, I'm close to done with that guy too. That class was loaded too. That wide receiver class. Yeah. Ace Claypool is making a huge name for himself in Cincinnati or in Pittsburgh. And then we got LaVisca Chenault is being used like a like a Swiss Army knife in Jacksonville. It's T it's Higgins is T. Higgins is playing well. Oh my god. We could have had him. He got picked in the second round. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh man. All right, all right. Let's stop talking about this because it's 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 not like we have enough just sad things to talk about right now. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of sad things, I know. Speaking of sad things, let's move on to the defense. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay. Uh, seriously though, all right. Let's talk about the defense. For the you know early on, things looked pretty good. We stopped Tom Brady. 
a couple times and it looked pretty good. But then when Rodgers threw the pick, that, you know, that allowed a touchdown. And then Rodgers threw another pick. They had to try to make a goal line stand. Didn't happen, obviously. 14-10. Defense is in a much worse position. But the defense, in the end, didn't put us in any position to have a chance to come back. And, and that was one of the biggest problems in the end. Uh, a few things I want to touch on. Uh, a couple things I would never like to see again from Mike Pettin. Number one, 12-yard uh, cushions on third and two. I'm yes. done with those. I'm done with those because it's not like they only need two yards or anything. Uh, number number two. Yeah, that was rough. Number two, uh, half our roster being undrafted free agents and, and <laughs> expecting them to compete against guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Okay. I think, uh, that's, I think that's less true for the defense. I think, well, I mean, Chris Barnes is out there. We've got yeah. Ty Summers, who was a seventh round pick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Shannon Sullivan undrafted, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. but at least we have the third round pick Will Redmond out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I think I think the organization has pumped much more talent onto the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side. That's true, but then we've got Mike Pettin, who allows twelve men on the field twice out of five plays, uh, and he also drops our defensive tackles into coverage on every play, and yeah, we're in a tough situation. If I see Montrevious Adams in coverage, <laughs> oh no. That killed me. (laughs) When both Kenny Clark and Montrevious were out there in coverage, I was like, okay, they're rushing two guys. (laughs) And they still picked up 10 yards. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, gosh. It's a problem. I mean, you know, instead of of sending blitzes, we're sending less than two. I mean, we're sending two guys. It's like, okay, that'll work. I, I I'm I'm done with the three man rush in the red zone. I'm done with that against Tom Brady. Against Tom oh, Brady. Yeah. yeah let's let Tom Brady pick us apart with checkdowns. Well, yeah. Fine. Let's let's. Yeah. Here's the guy we're not gonna blitz. Here's yeah. the guy we're not gonna blitz. The guy who is shown. Can barely, the guy can barely walk. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is shown the only way to beat Tom Brady. Is to blitz him, give him pressure, and we we're rushing three in the red zone. Are you kidding me, Mike Penn? <laughs> and it, well, for one thing, it's not like the pass rush is even getting home. <laughs> we're in no man's land on defense. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> working. What does the defense do well? What do they do Nothing. well? Nothing. They drop. They drop into coverage on you know third and two. They'll have a fifteen yard cushion. That's what they do well. They don't tackle well. They don't stop the run well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. The red zone defense is horrible. They don't create turnovers. They do nothing. No pressure. No pressure. We're laughing, laughing, but in reality, this is the biggest tragedy that we can see out here. It really is. This was the thing. Like Even things we were great at, our defense wasn't great last season. We have have three turnovers in five games. We haven't had defensively. When's the last time we had a turnover? Oh, week, week three, I guess, on that Taysom Hill fumble. We can't even even Tom Brady's lofting balls in the air and Preston Smith is batting them up and whatever and guys are just and guys are just watching the ball hit the ground. We and haven't missed a fumble. I mean, yeah. Amos dropped the pick. Oh yes, Amos dropped that pick. Oh, that would have been a game changer, possibly. What a yeah. again, I mean, like it's just unbelievable. Would have been we something. Just, our defense. Our defense last year. Got to the quarterback. We like led the league in pressures and you know getting home. We had two guys with over thirteen sacks. This year we have like 
not even half of the pressures that we've had up to this point. We're on pace for like half the pressures that we had at the end of the year last year. And then we have, you know, we've only turned the ball before this last game. We had never turned the ball over on offense and we only created three turnovers on defense. And it's more of the same. We had two turnovers on offense, but yet we've still only had three turnovers on defense, something that was like a mark a benchmark of what of how good we were on defense and yeah. that's completely changed and now we look like one of the worst units in football yeah they they don't do anything and we make rob Gronkowski look like he's 29 again guys look like garbage all season and of course we allow him to tear us up dude how is gronk who probably runs like a 5-2 at this point in his career <laughs> Getting I open think against- I run faster than Gronk. Yeah. How's he getting open against Josh Jackson, oh, Raven Green, Lord. and Adrian Amos? How? How's he getting separation? I have no idea. I have no idea. Dude. I have no it's answer. Bad. It's bad on defense. And the thing is, they there's so many talented players there. And they're not all playing well, but uh, they're not in positions to succeed when we're playing third and two like it's third and 32. Or dropping, or we're rushing three, or rushing two, dropping Montrevious Adams into coverage. We're not sending creative blitzes. Something Mike Pettin is supposed to do really well. That's the thing, Mike Pettin's. That's his specialty is sending uh, blitzes that catch the quarterback off guard. I, when do we send blitzes anymore? When do they ever get home? Did we have a sack this week? No, we had. No, we did not. Four oh QB god. hits, and that's it. Oh my god! Maybe a couple pressures. <laughs> I think Preston, I think this was Preston's best game, and he had two pressures and a hit. That was it. I think that was our only quarterback hit, right, Preston, Mason? Did you say one hit? Uh, four hits. I remember oh, Rashawn Gary, okay. Gary hit. Um, remember he, he got he had face mask. Oh, my God. That counted as a hit. Did that count as a hit? I believe so. Oh, my God. Preston Smith. Well, Preston Smith. Had had a, I thought he played okay. I thought he played better. He's good against the run, which you can get a seventh-round garbage man out there to play well against the run at outside linebacker. That's I don't know about that. That's not something you value in an outside linebacker. Who? How much are we paying Preston Smith to play, to play the run well? Are you kidding me? I get that. No, but he. I mean, he got home last year. He he did. He got thirteen and a half sacks or whatever. I don't even know how many. He might have thirteen, but I mean, he was. You know, he's a guy that was good last year, and, and you he's know, bad. he's just not doing that right now. I wouldn't he's say bad. he's bad. He's I don't. Bad. I don't agree with that. He's bad. He's not bad. As he wanted, I look up his uh pass rush win rate on <laughs> PFF right now, Ron. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But what's the solution? Like we have to, you know, what what are we gonna do to get us back on track? I know we play. We're gonna get into that too. The Houston Texans. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty decent offense. Uh, their offensive line isn't good, but they do have weapons, you know, all over the field and they've got a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So what is the solution for the defensive side of the ball? Cause I you know, we know the offense is going to get back going, but what does the defense have to do to kind of give us that's, we have to win a Super Bowl. That's the thing here. We're going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we're trying to at least. And, and, you know, our defense is going to be a big part of that, whether we do or we don't. Step one, um, don't let my Travis Adams drop into coverage. <laughs> don't do again. that. No more of that. And how about send more than four guys on a pass rush? Yeah, let's do that. We can create some turnovers because Jair like lights out. Kevin King's going to be back. He's been playing phenomenal all year. Just send send some pass rush. Come on. Yeah, come on. We can we can cover well. I think I think 
I think we need to do a lot of things and a lot of things, a lot of things, these things have to do with Mike Patton, who I do not think is a very good defensive coordinator to say the very least, but I think we need to send more pressure. Like you said, Mason, I think we need to play a little bit more man coverage when Kevin King is in the lineup, not with Josh Jackson, but uh, with Kevin King in the lineup, I think we need to play a bit more of man coverage and a stop dropping in a zone so often because uh, a lot of these quarterbacks we're playing tend to pick us apart in zone. And then with the run defense, I, I wish we had a defensive care coordinator who cared a little bit about run defense, which we do not have right now. And I think that would help a lot. But it, it's just all these fundamental things that we need to get better at, like rushing the passer, winning these one-on-one mashup matchups in both run defense and rushing the passer. Uh, and then... Uh, the safety play, the safety play has not been good. They, Adrian Amos, this smash and savage combo, it's they they haven't been good. They have not been good, and I they need to get better. They really need to get better. Well, you're right about that. I mean, you know, nobody, you know, regardless of what Mike Pettin's doing, I feel like the individual guys just aren't playing the level that they were playing at last year, and they're not playing to where we expect them to be. Z is one of the guys that I think is in that situation uh, because he's, you know, he's just not getting home as much. He had that one good game against the Falcons, but, you know, other than that, he hasn't been that game wrecker that we saw last year. Preston's not getting that same pressure that you want him to. Uh, Kenny Clark, you know, yesterday he didn't look amazing, uh, but, he, you know, he's going to get his feet wet still and going to get back into it, and we know how good he is when he's healthy. Um, and then obviously those interior guys are very inconsistent. We've got Montrevious Adams once in a blue moon has a good game. Kenny Kingsley Kiki has a good game once in a while. Uh, but really it's just inconsistency there on the back end. Jair has been locked down so far, really nothing, you know, getting through him for the most part, maybe a player or two per game, but nothing major. Uh, Kevin King, he's inconsistent. And last week he was out. Uh, but it's just a lot of inconsistency with these guys. Like, uh, in the middle of the field, that's a big problem. We just don't have anybody right now. Uh, Chris Barnes, I mean, yeah, we talked about Chris Barnes. He's he, he's good. He's a, like a nice little player, but we can't expect him to, you know, be our guy in the middle. It just won't work out. He's just not good enough in pass coverage, uh, and he's not good enough in the run game, frankly. He's just not good enough. He's a good depth player. He's a, he's a good guy to have if, you know, if Christian Kirksey is down and, you know, if like like the way it is right now, if Kamal Martin's down also. Uh, he's a nice guy to have behind them, but we can't be expecting him to to play at this at this level for a long time. Uh, and yet we don't make a move and go get a linebacker. We just don't do it for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, I just don't know. We've got to get better individually, so then we can get better as a unit overall. The defense definitely needs all of them. Like I can't. What Chris Barnes? I'm I'm higher on Chris Barnes than you are. I think he's. A, I think he played pretty solid on Sunday, but. What player has played well? Dean Lowry? Did he even play on Sunday? Yeah, he played, but he doesn't play well. I Nobody's playing well. I haven't heard Dean Lowry's name in like two years. I mean, yeah. I can tell you one guy that played well. If we Who's want that? a little positive segment for this. Uh, <laughs> Jair Alexander. Yeah, yeah. If you guys probably saw the stat on Twitter. He shadowed Mike Evans on 19 of, of Mike Evans' 24 routes and was only targeted once and it wasn't even a catch. So Jair yeah. absolutely shut down a top ten wide receiver in the NFL. Well he had that he had that one play where he got turned around. Who was that against? Was that against Godwin? It was either Godwin or um Scotty Miller possibly it was. Uh, yeah. 
Well, he had that one bad play, probably his first bad play of the season. But yeah, Jair's been yeah, great. Yeah, that was that was like the one play I I remember of him not being uh, at that level that he's been playing at all year long. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's he's the most consistent player on defense because he really brings it every week, especially this year more than even last year. He is just so consistently locked in, and he just he's locked down. Really, he, nobody gets past him. You could put anybody out there, and he's just covered him uh, at at the at, at the most elite level. So I, I've been really impressed with him, and and he's really the only key guy that's been consistent on defense for us. He's been great for sure. He's definitely been great, and Z is another guy you look to to who's one of these great players that we have on defense. He didn't have a good game on Sunday, but you think he'll turn it around. So we have Jair and Z, who look like they're franchise defensive player guys. But uh, other than that, I, I I'm not sure what to make of any of these guys. Amos, I don't know. Kevin King, I think he's good, but a little inconsistent. Uh, Chandon Sullivan looks pretty good. Kenny Clark is obviously great. But yeah, yeah, not much else there. Tyler Lancaster is a guy a lot of people liked going into 2019, who has been bad. Dean Lowry, ever since he got the contract, has been bad. We've just used so much capital on on the defensive side of the ball. Two guys you didn't even mention. I mean, Rashawn Gary was our first round pick, or one of our first round picks last year, and he barely sees the field because of the Smith brothers being in front of him, and then. Um, you know, Josh Jackson three years ago was our second round pick. And yeah, besides last week, he barely, you know, barely ever touches the field. Darnell Savage has been bad. It's been disappointing. We were really looking for like a sophomore, you know, bump, but that's not happened. Yeah. What did you guys think of Josh Jackson this weekend? Because for, from my eyes, uh, you know, watching the game, I just, I thought he was good at times. And then obviously he allowed a couple of touchdowns and, you know, allowed some plays, but I thought, you know, he showed some flashes, but I don't know. It's just, he, he can't be out there consistently. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think he's a good, I think he's a good number four. I think that's what he is right now. And, and he, he's made some plays. He did last week. He made a couple of nice plays, but other than that, I mean, you know, he just, he did let up some big ones and we can't have that. Yeah. He's a guy for me, like MBS who is now in his third year and, we know now we, we he's never going to be that number one or number two reliable starter for us. He's just, he's not good enough. And we've been waiting for three years now for him to make that jump for him to finally shine. He had a good training camp supposedly, according to the beat writers, but uh, he, it's just not showing. He, he had a few good plays. Uh, he made a few good tackles that we haven't seen a lot of this year from the defense, but uh, yeah, that big pass interference call late in the game that set him up at the one yard line. That was horrible, uh, and yeah, he got he got uh, beat in pass coverage a few times. So, uh, Josh Jackson is not living up to the the second round pick that was used on him. He's a guy that I'd like to see get more time in that nickel spot as opposed to Will Redmond because he's better in coverage than Redmond, and I think he's also better in the run game. Uh, I think he matches up better with bigger guys that maybe can match his speed that he kind of lacks at times. Like he's not a super fast guy like Jair. Uh, he's, he's almost like kind of the, the total opposite of Jair. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's lankier. Uh, and he, and, and he's better against the run. He's, he's, he's good against the pass, you know, in, in that short intermediate range against bigger guys. He's one of the guys that can match up against these tight ends and even running backs out there. I think he'd be better suited there um, in in that nickel spot, that dime linebacker spot, whatever you want to call it. 
I think he is better suited there uh, than covering guys on the boundary at this stage in his career. I agree with you, man. He did not excel in coverage. That the pass interference that you know set him up at the two yard line. It's pretty much the dagger in the game. Can't really have those, but. Um, go back to the first drive uh, for the Tampa Bay's offense. He was the one that stopped Ronald Jones on, uh, I think it was like a third and three, you know, set up set up Tampa for a punt and, you know, got the Packers the ball back. And we ended up going going up by 10 after that drive. And, you know, it was thanks to him. He got in the backfield and tackled him. And then that was an impressive play. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, you like seeing flashes like that. And, you know, yeah, at least he's got some something we can work with here. And like you said, that Will Redmond role, Will Redmond is terrible in, in, in the run defense. And I think Josh Jackson is much better suited for that. And not so much the pass coverage, but if we can use them as, you know, like um, like that Will Redmond role, I, I think it fit much better because Will Redmond, we've seen week after week, you know, especially against the Saints, he was, he was getting lost with Alvin Kamara and, you know, that those huge runs that he was breaking off. I felt like that was all on Will Redmond. And maybe, you know, maybe we give Josh Jackson a shot there because once Kevin King comes back, he's not going to see much playing time whatsoever. Yeah, the thing is, his first two years of his career, he's playing a lot of nickel corner. But then training camp this year, Mike Patton's talking about how, oh, yeah, we're trying him at boundary. That's why he's had such a good camp where we're going to try and keep him on the boundary. And so I don't know. I don't know where he's good at. I don't know if he's good at anything, really. All right, let's get into this game, guys. We've got the Houston Texans coming up. I think it's a really good chance for us to get back on track. Uh, my my main point of emphasis here uh, is for Aaron Rodgers to to help guys recognize throughout the locker room uh, that now's the time to really get ready and, and be prepared. I think he sent a message to the whole locker room in that uh, in that in that statement where he said he didn't like the week of practice and and he was concerned about the level of readiness. Um, I think that he's got to do a good job here of getting guys ready and, and setting the tone, uh, leading by example, which is his style of leadership. I think if he can do that really well this week um, by the things he said and by the way he practices, I think he has to come out and practice like a pro, like, like we know he can. Um, and then the rest of the team can kind of follow his lead. Uh, and if they do that, I think they're going to come out angry and, and ready to roll here. And, and I expect a, a big win. And I, I think we uh, are going to see that, especially a rebound performance from the offensive side. Yeah, I expect the same thing. I, I think they'll I think they'll play really well against this Texans defense. Who we, we complain about our defense, but <laughs> the Texans defense, I don't know if they have one good player. J.J. Watt has been not good to start the season so far, and they are putrid and run defense. Derrick Henry ran for over 200 yards on him. Uh, I think I think we'll have a really successful day on offense this weekend. It, it may be one of those games where we play really well, we get our hopes up, but it's like, uh, it's kind of the same thing. Like, we, we know we can beat these bad teams. So I, I think we will beat the Texans, and I think it will be convincing. But uh, I don't know how much that will say about the team. I think we'll still have a lot of problems. Hopefully, Hopefully we improve on them, though. I mean, they hang. They hung in there with the undefeated Tennessee Titans, you know, to the very end. Took they them did, out. yeah. But you know, that was like you said, Griff. That was the Derrick Henry show. He, he legit, pretty much single handedly ended the game for them. That he had a, like a 94 yard touchdown run towards the end of the game, and then in OT he had like a fifty two yard catch, kind of set him up for, you know, a red zone opportunity, and he ran it himself. And yeah, yeah, that was the game. <laughs> now that yeah, pretty sure the Texans are one and five now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
lost to the Vikings, who also only have one win. I mean, this this team is not not really great. Of course, they have Deshaun Watson, though, who I respect a lot as a quarterback. I think he is a top ten talent. But you know, they they don't give him much help. That offensive line is is terrible. And they they try to help give him weapons after you know trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and you know a second round pick. But you know, I mean. You got Will Fuller, who's always been a wide receiver too. Brandon Cooks is getting towards the end of his career, um, and then Randall you know, Cobb. buddy Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they just got some like a lot of guys that have just been role players most, of, not role players, but like you know, number twos most of their career. Yeah, and David Johnson is already like twenty eight years old, and that's that's really old for a running back. I mean, Deshaun is kind of like. He's living like like A Rod was for those 2013, 2012 seasons where he didn't have a running back, didn't really have much help on offense, and just kind of doing it himself. And that defense, obviously, JJ Watts like their only stud, and you know they don't have anybody that. Hopefully, Aaron Jones bounces back because um, this is a prime opportunity. That that rush defense is you know terrible as we saw last week against Tennessee. This is definitely an opportunity for the Packers to you know bounce back. And I I hope to God it's not like a um, Los Angeles Chargers game that we had last year where we just, you know, underperformed, to, you know, terribly against a, you know, sub 500 team. I, we we can't let that happen this year. If we want to, you know, show that we're a contender, we have to pounce on these Texans and, you know, show them, show the rest of the NFL that we, you know, last week was just a fluke. Yeah, I think this is really a chance for Matt LaFleur to get back in the groove. You know, when we go, when we went down 14 to 10, the whole game spiraled out of control in Tampa. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Matt LaFleur. They're, they're not on script. Like you said, Mason, they were playing catch up ball, which they never had to do this season. So I think this year it's another bad opponent, another bad defense where Matt LaFleur can play the game his way. Aaron Rodgers can play in rhythm. And, you know, uh, they, the Texans do not have any kind of pass rush. Their run defense is bad. So I think Matt LaFleur can really play his style of offense that he wants to play. Hopefully we get Tyler Irvin back so we can get more of the, more of the, uh, the pre-snap motion, the pre-snap looks that we want to, we want to go with back on offense. And I think, I think it'll be a lot of this, a lot of what we saw in the first four weeks of the season. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, I really thought had maybe, you know, it's up there with one of his worst games as a head coach. Um, and a lot of it was, was due to the fact that he punted on many situations where we were down 21 and 28 points. We were near midfield, you know, even, even in the situations where we're in our own end zone, uh, you know, down at the 20, 30, whatever we were at, he just was so passive. I, he never gave us an opportunity. He never gave Aaron Rodgers an opportunity to convert a fourth down, get some momentum Maybe go down and score and, you know, then get back in the game a little bit. Give us a chance. He just didn't seem to have any interest in doing that. Uh, so I'd like to see some, you know, he and he said, he you know, he wasn't impressed with how he did as a coaching, as a head coach this week. And I don't know if he'll realize, you know, that we've got to, he seems to be more aggressive on fourth downs when we're winning for some reason, as opposed to when we're losing. He just decides to, he just decides to, you know, punt the, punt the game away. At fourth and eight in midfield. I That's have the main no one. Idea what that was about? I mean, dude. we went. We've gone for fourth and eights at midfield when we're at the when beginning of 20, games. Dude. Maybe yeah, we're we're up by you know ten, seven, whatever. When we're ahead or even in a close game, whatever it is, we've seen him this year go for fourth and sevens. You know, even in field goal range at times 
you know, even at the midfield area. So yeah, I was just, I'm concerned about that, but you know, he's got to be better and so does everybody else. But I think like Aaron Rodgers said, I think everybody's going to get a little bit of a wake up call from this game and realize that we've got to come prepared uh, to beat every team in our wake. If we want to get to where we want to be. The thing that scares me about this game the most is that our defense could completely crap the bed against uh, the Texans offense. And, you know, ever since they fired Bill O'Brien, this usually happens with NFL teams. They fire their head coach, they get a little galvanized, and they play a little bit on fire. We saw it in the Falcons game after we fired Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think if Deshaun Watson gets rolling, he had a great game last week. Unfortunately, he didn't win it, but uh, he had a great game last week. The Texans offense played really well, and so I think that's the only thing that could really hold us back from uh, blowing the Texans out is if our defense does not play well against the Texans offense. This is a whole different, you know, uh, this is a whole different test for Mike Patton. I mean, last week he obviously shot the bed with Tom Brady and not rushing, you know, the 43-year-old quarterback who, you know, obviously would have crumbled under pressure. But now we got Deshaun Watson, who's one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm I'm very interested to see how he's going to play it. I mean, you obviously got to get pressure on him and make him, you know, try to go outside of the pocket. He's not, it's not like he's the perfect quarterback. He will make mistakes. And I feel like that's, that's going to be step one. I don't, this, that offensive line is not really good. And I mean, besides Laramie Tunsil on that left side, I mean, there's going to be opportunities for Mike Penn to, you know, finally be creative and try to make it hard under Sean Watson, even though it already is with that, you know, he's already had a lot of struggles with that offensive line already. Just Mike Penn just can't squander this. This is this is an opportunity to show us Packer fans that this that you know he can be a capable defense defensive coordinator because you know we're kind of on our last straw here. We're getting we're getting tired of this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it it starts with Deshaun Watson, obviously. When you look at the Houston Texans offense, um, and you know you you kind of struggle with figuring out how to control what he does. Uh, because he, you know, when you do blitz him, he has a lot of success outside the pocket, uh, escaping sacks. It's hard to bring him down, even with that bad offensive line. But the key for us is is going to be not blitzing, um, not necessarily not blitzing, but not sending too many extra guys to the point where he can just escape sacks, get outside the pocket, and then there's not enough guys out there to cover their receivers. What we need to do is is be able to get pressure with you know with our guys in a base front without a blitz. Um, and if we're able to do that, it can put us in good positions to, you know, create turnovers, uh, make plays on the, on, on, on balls getting thrown by Watson outside the pocket uh, and not allow him to kind of tee off uh, from a passing perspective on our defense. And, and I think that's going to be the key to stopping that offense. Yeah. We got to play good coverage and we got to make sure uh, this is how teams used to play Aaron Rodgers back when he was in his heyday. Uh, you got to create pressure with four guys and then play good coverage on the back end to make sure he doesn't create anything outside of the pocket. And I trust Jair Alexander to do that, but I don't, I don't know about anyone else. This game kind of sets up well for that because, you know, and the way Mike Pettin is kind of coaching at this point, if he's not going to be sending blitzes at the same rate that he was last year, well, it might as well, it might as well be against a, a team like this that you might be able to get pressure with, you know, with four guys um and and then that kind of would lead to a situation where we're going to be able to stop them on a numerous uh on numerous occasions 
So I think that's going to be important. It, it, this could be a game where we kind of get back on track on defense just based on the fact that um, we could see pressure for the first time really, uh, really get to where we were at last year. Uh, and that's with guys just we're not even blitzing guys. And then, like I said, that puts us in a better position because we'll have more guys in coverage uh, against some of those nice wide receivers that they have. Right. Some things I want to see this week, you know, we haven't seen one in a while. I want to see at least one turnover, and I want to see Preston Smith get a sack this week. You know, <laughs> sack. Yeah, and that would be nice. I, I mean, it's it's been a while since we have a turnover. Yeah, I think you said earlier that last turnover was – week three when you know z popped the ball out of Taysom hill's hands and it's yeah. been a while i mean we played the falcons and then you know tom brady in the bucks with nothing and you know no sacks last week either it's you know it's time now i i, I want to see those two things this week yeah it definitely is time to get past rush and create a turnover i think that's we got to create those things. We got to. We have to manifest that pass rush and and create those turnovers in order to to win. That masks some of the issues with our defense, with Mike Pettin's calls, all of that. Uh, creating turnovers are game changers. It it makes a bad defense look good. It makes a bad game by the defense look even better because creating turnovers is really what changes the game at the end of the day, regardless of how many yards you allow. You know, it all ends up being fine if we've got turnovers and, and more chances for our offense to score. Uh, and with that, I kind of want to talk about the offense a little bit against this Houston defense. Um, you know, this is a good game for Aaron Rodgers, obviously, to get back on track. Uh, after one, you know, rough game against a great defense, this Houston defense is not that great. And the one guy you mentioned, Griff, uh, J.J. Watt, has really been neutralized for the most part early on this season. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is a good opportunity for Aaron to get going. Houston's got one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, so Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will have a good chance to get going. Uh, and, and Devontae Adams, this is a bad pass defense with no true, really, lockdown corners in any capacity. Uh, their back end is, is one of the league's worst. So I think Devontae, this is a chance for him to have like one of those, one of those really big games where he could go for 150-plus, 200 yards, uh, I think this is a good opportunity for everybody to get back on track and, and show the rest of the world what we are as a team. Yeah, this could really be one of the games where Aaron and Tay just, just take over. And what you were saying about tur- turnovers is those are those are so huge. You know, Giving the opposing offense an extra possession is so huge, and it shows to be one of the turning points in most NFL games. And what we thrive on is not turning the ball over on offense – and, uh, you know, last year getting turnovers on defense really helped us out. But, you know, we didn't have a turnover all year until last week. And then Aaron throws two picks. How often does he ever throw two picks in a game? How often does he ever throw pick sixes? That was the only that was only the third of his career. You know, these are things you can't expect that to happen again. So I think this is really going to be a game where those two, Devontae and Aaron, get back on track. And, yeah, like you said, I could see 130, 140 for Devontae on seven, eight receptions. And uh, I don't want to predict Aaron's stats, but I think he'll have a big game. I think Coach LaFleur has to do a better job of of relaying his message to Mike Pettin, uh, to go back to the defense for a second. I just think that he needs to emphasize what he wants out of him. Uh, I know he's not a guy that he hired, uh, but I think that he has to have better communication with him uh, about what needs to be done on defense. He, you know, he talked about that he's tired of the passiveness. He, he actually said this. Uh, you know, he, he, he was, 
going to take a very long look at the passiveness of the defense, especially on third down. Uh, so I think this week is going to be telling to see if if what you know Matt Lafleur is really all about is he just this offensive guy that that let the, that lets Mike Pettin do his thing or is he a head coach in the NFL that needs to be in control of both sides of the football and for me uh, he's got to emphasize that the defense needs to change things uh, in order for us to really have success and that includes on offense too he has to you know get back to what we were doing best um, and that and that comes with after the, you know, after the plan that he creates uh, and the script that he comes out with, after that's gone, he has to be able to conduct himself better. Uh, that includes, you know, decision making, punting on fourth down at the right times, uh, going for it at the right times and making the right calls that are going to give us success against the Houston Texans this week. I mean, this is this is the week to do it. And next week, I mean, we got two teams that have only won one game and then. You know, we play the Minnesota Vikings after the Texans. And then we got the San Francisco 49ers who, you know, have given us, us and Mike Patton in general, so much, you know, so much trouble, especially in the run game. It's, these are the two weeks we got to fix it. Like you said, Brian, maybe Matt LaFleur can, you know, relay something to Mike Patton's brain to, you know, maybe try to stop the run. Maybe not just let your, not let your past defense have to, you know, guess when it's a run play and, you know, try their best to stop the run when it does happen. I mean, I'm just we, we got to use these two weeks because I I don't want I don't want to lose to the Niners again. I've I've had too much pain these the, the the NFC Championship game last year and that Sunday night game last year. I I don't want to lose. I want to I want to be known as you know, I want the Packers to be known as one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best team in the NFC. And yeah, these are the two weeks to do it. We got to beat up on these one one win teams. You're right about that, Mason. Uh, we've got to we've got to go out and beat these tough teams, uh, including the 49ers who've had our number. But uh, this week it starts with the Houston Texans, and it's going to be a game that we have to come out and show our dominance and and prove who we are. Uh, so for me, you know, we've got to come out uh, and play our best football of the year, and I mean that. I think we have to have uh, a really really cohesive plan. Uh, and come out and, and be ready to really light it up against a team that's not a good team, that fired their head coach, that's completely in flux on both sides of the ball. We've got to come out and do a good job and, and win this football game big. It's not going to be easy. Anytime you're going up against a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, it's, I mean, this is not going to be an easy game whatsoever. We're going to have to be ready. Um, we're going to have to have a good game plan, and we, we can't just, you know, you know, be average. We gotta, we want to blow them out. We don't want to be like last year where we always played nine to our competition. I, um, we just gotta, you know, prove to ourselves that we're still a contender in the NFC and just brush off last week. And, you know, this is the perfect time to do it. You're going against the, you know, the Houston Texans, you know, we play them every four years. I mean, just, just use this game as just a bounce back, bounce back game and just, you know, run with it from here. I mean, no, just don't even think about the Tampa game. It's we're, let's just move on. And, you know, it starts right now. Let's beat the Texans. Absolutely, man. Uh, we just got to beat the Texans and that's, that's the goal right now. And, and we'll move from there. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the today in title town Packers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate everyone that, that listens and we're looking forward to, hopefully talking about a, a win against the Texans. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Go Pack Go.